It had been an absolutely beautiful day. It was July 1st, 2000, and it was our wedding day. It was not too hot, just a hint of a summer breeze, and there was blue sky everywhere that you looked. Our wedding was at my in-law's summer cottage in Quebec, and the cottage sits on a small, quiet lake, uh, with sort of the lake down here and the cottage sort of up on the hill. And in between there was a landing that was just big enough to have a small wedding. The logistics of hosting a wedding at a rustic cottage an hour outside of the city and 15 minutes off a paved road presents certain unique challenges. And so one of the contingencies that we had put into place was to get a tent, a very large tent, 60 foot by 30 foot to cover that landing space with some additional tenting running up the stairs and walkway up to the cottage. Jenny didn't want it, but her parents insisted. She likes to say that it's only one of three arguments that she's ever lost in her life. And I think they were all with her mother because they weren't with me. But on that beautiful July morning, it seemed that we didn't need those tents at all. And it definitely didn't seem like we need the sides of the tents. And so we left them off. And then, you guessed it, it started to rain. And not just rain, it was like a gale force rainstorm blew in 30 minutes before our wedding was about to begin. And so all of our nicely dressed guests had to go under the cottage to pull out the sides of the tent and then go around as the wind was whipping in on them, getting them all wet in their dresses and ties to hang the sides of the tent so that the wedding could begin. The ground, the the grass that my father-in-law planted and then tended for 18 months all turned to mud. They had to wipe down all the chairs and then themselves before we could start. And as if to rub it in, the readings that we had selected for our wedding were all about how now there would be no rain because you are shelter for one another. Everyone laughed as they were read. And in our friend's amateur video of the ceremony, you could hardly hear the readings or even the sermon, even though it was about 10 feet away because the rain was coming down so hard on the tent. Weddings. There is always so much joy, but there is always so much pressure to make everything just perfect. As a pastor, I know I feel that pressure when I do weddings. You don't want to be the one that screws it up. But always, inevitably, something happens. The bride is late because of traffic. The little ring bearer can't get down the aisle. Kids melt down. Somebody forgets the ring or the marriage license. I'm sure we could all share stories of weddings gone awry. And most of the times we can laugh it off, as our family and friends did on our day. But in other cultures, such a faux pas can be far more serious, like in Jesus' culture. Jesus operated in a culture defined by honor and shame. And this situation of running out of wine would have not only been embarrassing but devastating to the wedding couple and to their family's honor. So the situation at the wedding in Cana couldn't just be laughed off, though I think we could all agree running out of drink would be deeply unfortunate at a wedding reception. It was a source of shame, a matter of social standing and reputation. And in that culture, 
long-term success, and even survival. And there's another way that weddings were different at that time. They went on for a week. So they didn't just need enough wine to get through the next couple of hours. They needed enough wine to get through the next couple of days. And so here they are, out of wine. Jesus and some of his disciples were there. Jesus' mother Mary was there. And she comes over and tells them that they're out of wine and that he should do something about it. But Jesus protests. In one of his more human moments, he talks back to his mom. He says, what is it to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. Which is to say that he didn't think it was time to uh, begin his public ministry. You know, working that kind of miracle would have put him on the map, alerted everyone to his divine presence, and he wasn't sure it was time. About this exchange, my colleague, Pastor Jody Hoag, observes, I keep thinking of the wedding at Cana and Jesus not being quite ready. She says, would that we all have a Jewish mama saying, come on, yep, it's time, be who you are. Mary insists, and so Jesus turns the water into wine, 180 gallons worth of wine. He saves the day. And the wine, it turns out, is even better than the first wine that had been served at the beginning of the reception. At that time, as you heard in the reading, the best wine would have been served first and then the not-so-good wine later after everybody was feeling good. But Jesus' wine is better than even the best wine that the couples had served their guests. When I think of this passage, I think of a wedding that I did many years ago, in fact, a decade ago, for a couple named Charlie and June. June was that bride that got stuck in traffic and delayed the wedding. Our organist, our poor organist, just had to play and play and play and play and play, prelude after prelude, until she finally showed up and was ready. Uh, This was the second marriage for both Charlie and June, and they had been through some tough stuff in their lives along the way. But finally, they had found each other and a love and a happiness that they had each longed for but had never really known. And so to stand there with them at their wedding, it seemed like God had saved the best for last, that God had blessed them with each other in a way that only God could. And so we read the story of the wedding in Cana. And as we stood together at the altar, I reflected with them how second chances at love are precious things. When love comes again, it fills the once empty places inside us. It calls us out of isolation and into relationship and community. It changes the entire way that we look at the world. Love has the power to bring life out of death and bind up old wounds and allow us to live for others or, in this case, for someone else. And that, for me, is the perfect expression of God's love for us. God's love doesn't come to us just once, but over and over again, like a song or like an old familiar voice or sometimes like a life raft when we're adrift on the sea. Sometimes it comes to us through someone else. And this is what I saw in Charlie and June. And I think the same kind of thing happens in our lives. We go through difficult time, through major life changes. We look at our lives sometimes and think things will never be the same. Things will never be as good as they once were. We have moments when we run dry, when we feel completely tapped out. And somehow, in some way, in those moments, Jesus turns our water 
into wine. Unexpectedly, surprisingly, Jesus turns our water into wine, makes a way for us where there didn't seem to be one, brings joy where there was sorrow, brings life when there was only loss and death, brings hope when there was only fear, fear and makes love and life possible. Jesus turns our water into wine, and God saves the best for last. And perhaps that is the true miracle of Cana. I have to confess, miracles are low on my list of readings to preach on. They demonstrate God's power and Jesus' divinity, but it's all too easy to leave things at that, to look back and with admiration across the centuries and say, wow, that was amazing, but you know that that never really happens today, and then just leave it. But miracle stories are more than that. Miracle stories serve as a reminder not just of what Jesus once did, but about what God still does in our lives, the minor miracles that mark the journey of our lives, the unexpected graces that keep us going, the unearned love that we receive from God and our dearest companions. Again and again in our lives, God turns our water into wine. As the psalmist writes, O God, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. God turns tears to laughter, turns grief into gratitude, turns death into life. When these moments come, and they do come, it's like a miracle. As with the newlyweds in Cana, God takes away our shame and reminds us how honored and blessed we are in God's sight. I've seen it so many times in my life and in the lives of the people that I've pastored, and I know it for certain to be true. And it gives me hope when I walk with people through the difficult times of their lives. I remember once years ago sitting in vigil at the bedside of one of our dear saints from my last church who was dying and what turned out to be the last hours of her life. And I sat there next to her young adult grandson, quietly chatting with sort of long pauses in between. And at one point he turned to me and he said, I don't know how you do it being with so many people who are sick and dying. And I told him that for me, it's a privilege to be with someone and their family at that time, to mark the moment, to bear witness, to claim that God is with us right here in the midst of it all. And he nodded and then was quiet again. Well, our dear sister died not long after that, and I only saw her grandson once more very briefly at her funeral. But a couple weeks later, I was talking with his mother, and she said, you know, my son told me what you said to him that day. And she said, after my mom died, as we were leaving the hospital, he turned to me and said, you know, mom, the pastor was right. As sad as I feel, it was a privilege to be there for grandma. It was a Cana moment in which God, who first gave me the words to say, then took the sadness and grief of this grandson and turned it into gratitude, who took the horrible weight of sitting with his dying grandmother and turned it into a celebration of her life and their life together. Water into wine, death into life. For finally, God saves the very best for the very last, resurrection. At the beginning of this miracle story at Cana, John begins, it happened 
on the third day, which is when Jesus himself rose from the grave that very first Easter morning. And God raises us up, resurrects us out of all manner of death throughout our lives. And then at the end, when we leave this world to join God, God is with us there always. And on that day, and on this day, let us say with the chief steward at the wedding in Cana, Ah, dear God, you have kept the good wine until now. Amen.